You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. Um, I hope everyone's week is going swimmingly well. So here's what we're going to do this hour here on the show. Now, if you're a regular listener, you're going to quickly realize that this is going to be something, this show is going to sound a little different. And here's why. Um, I'm actually cooking up a special treat for you guys that you're going to get next week. And AKA meaning that it's taking a lot more work than, <laughs> than expected. But, uh, but actually, I think it's going to find it to be something that I hope is going to be interesting and special um, for you guys. So just look forward to that coming next week. What I wanted to do this week, what I was going to do this week, which is going to be different, is this. Um, you know here on the show called Snarky Faith, a show where we skewer the insanity of Christianity. Um, we love to make fun of the prophets, the crazy Christian prophets that pop up in the news today, right? I love making fun of them. I love, I love keeping receipts and showing, hey, 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 you know, yeah, I know you said Trump was getting a second term. Doesn't look like that's happening, buddy. Still doesn't look like that's happening, buddy. Yeah. I believe in trying to keep the prophet's feet to the fire. Come on. Because if you're going to be profiting, you got to at least, someone needs to be checking up on you. I mean, otherwise, you're just some sort of hokey fortune teller or like cheesy palm reader. Come on. Oh, we already know you've got greasy palms from the way you do business, but seriously. So here's what I'm going to do. All right. Just, 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 if you want to look back upon what I have said in the past, specifically on this date. October the 27th of 2015. Yes. When I want to return to a simpler time, a time before the Trump presidency. Because prophets may not keep their receipts, but I keep mine as well. So I'm going to do a flashback show. Now, this is a show in a simpler time, like I said, when our show format was different, when it was just your host now, Stuart, sitting down and talking with Professor Ben and talking about the news and theology and politics. So let's see. Was I right in my predictions about where this was going to head if they went after Trump? Was I? Was I? I don't know. Tune in to find out. And I can't wait to check you guys again next week. So here's our little time warp episode here on Snarky Faith. Enjoy. Enjoy the blast from the past and look forward to more amazing shows coming in the future. So here you go. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? No, actually, on the, the last show that you weren't able to be on, I had mentioned, I did an opening where I talked about your untimely demise mm. because we were going to be talking about grief on the show. Okay. And then, but did then you grieve me? I did. There was, there was weeping. There was, it was sadness. Did it get all grievy? It, it got a little grievy. It got a little grievy in the beginning <laughs> and less grievy towards the, grieve, the ending. Get on the grievy train. It is. It was, uh, I had a grievy boat. That I was uh, pouring on my mashed potatoes, mm. and it was good stuff. But no, Ben, it's good. It's so good to be back in the saddle. I know. Uh, we took a little extended time off, and now we're back. And 
Do you I, think? Do you think that um, we could get uh, Aerosmith to like clear playing a clip of "Back in the Saddle"? <laughs> you know, no. you remember? You yeah. know how like all these politicians use things without asking? Yeah, that's true. No, I mean actually, well, yeah, I think we we do have a we do have like an ASCAP license, so. <laughs> Forget Aerosmith. We pay our pay a license yearly for this, so we could throw in a little right. back in the saddle or just some. Uh, I I don't want to miss a thing because that's <laughs> I was, I I was I was thinking of you when you were gone, and I oh. was kind of yeah I was putting myself in more of the Liv Tyler role, mm-hmm. and you were my Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. and I wanted you to play on my belly and eat grand, uh, little uh, animal crackers. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But boy. That escalated quickly. Yes, it, it I actually mean, really, really got out of hand <laughs> fast. It did, it did, it did. No, okay, so we are back here, back in the saddle. We're uh, moving on. And, you know, as we are in, I guess you could say we're in full swing with the whole, well, uh, the whole race to 2016. Everyone knows. Everyone knows? Does everyone know? You know you know what time it is. I do. Actually, well, that's the funny thing. Yeah, my, my kids know who most of the candidates are. I mean, le- the ones that matter. Yeah. You know, kind of like when you looked back at, like, the, the Democratic debate, there's really just only two that mattered, and there's the other people that you're like, oh, hey, you're still there? Yeah. Um, it'd, be, it'd be awesome if you were on the ticket, but you're not going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for showing up. It at least makes us this look less sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. So no, but with that, but what we wanted to be talking about today, and this comes from a piece from the New York Times uh, that was entitled Donald Trump and the Rise of the Moral Minority. And we, I think we've gone too long without talking about Don. Donald Trump. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes. The, the Don or the Chump, whichever way you want to put it. And no, we have. I mean, I think even though I think we did a show on like Donaldisms like a few ones back. So uh, it's been at least three shows since we've talked about Don. Mm-hmm. And to, the hair. And the hair. We'll and just call him the hair. And no, but, but the weird, the, I, you know, I, I call it the weird thing. It could be the interesting thing because he's become this weird, attractive uh, force for the Christian right. Mm-hmm. Not physically. Uh, maybe, um, I'm not judging, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right about that. I mean, but, but has become this huge force where one, he's so far, you know, the front runner and, mm-hmm. you know, the whole tea party, the Christian right is looking for a winner Yeah. after the, after the last guy that was, uh, so close to their heart and so close to their belief systems, Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like a big part of it is that people, uh, and and Bernie Sanders has this appeal as well. I think people are just ready to hear some. They they want to hear very kind of overspoken or people who are not afraid to speak their mind and give their opinion or tell it how they. I don't want to say tell it like it is because to be honest, Donald Trump has no idea what the world is like, but to tell it how they see it. Yeah. Um, and because, I mean, honestly, for so long, the world has had people who will kind of toe the line and say what you want to hear. And between Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump, I mean, whatever you think of them, they definitely are not afraid to say whatever it is that come pops into their head. Because there are times that I will hear Donald Trump say something like like what he said about vaccinations during one of the debates. Yeah. 
And I'm just thinking there was no research put into what you just said. I mean, you, you clearly did not think about that. You didn't ask your team about that because they would have warned you. Or what was it that he said? Um, Arab name, Arab name, Arab name. You know, I mean, it's such a, a really insensitive thing to say. Surely people would have give, advised him to not say that. And clearly he, did, he doesn't care about advice. He just says whatever he wants. So I'm, I'm guessing that for some reason that's refreshing to people that someone will just get up there and say whatever they're thinking. Well, I mean, in some sense, it is interesting. I mean, you at least know where he stands at any moment. He's not one of the typical politicians that will really kind of just, you know, lick their finger and stick it in the air and say, like, you know, which way is the wind blowing right, right. now? And that's that's exactly where I've always stood, exactly, mm-hmm. you know. And, and he's not polished. Um, and, like, it was funny because my – I was – we watched some of the, the Democratic debate, and with Bernie Sanders going on, uh, mm-hmm. my son goes to me, he goes, um, my oldest turns to me, and he's like, he reminds me of like that old guy on your front porch that yells at you to get off his lawn. <laughs> and I was... What are you kids doing on yeah. my lawn? Get off my lawn! You're killing um, my grass. And it was, I mean, but, but they're both like that. They're both just not polished. They're off the cuff, and people like it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't know if some of it has just been that we've been force-fed BS for so long. Mm-hmm. It's at least, you know, regardless if it's, uh, well, if we're talking about Trump, like racist or inane, it's at least what you're thinking at the moment mm-hmm. or with him at most moments. Would you say that the country is in a Donald slump? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. Wasn't yeah, it? I had bronchitis last week. Please, you're, you're, you're hurting my lungs. <laughs> Yeah, I deserve that. <laughs> but but the, but but getting to the dawn, you know, the interesting thing is is the fact that you are seeing a lot of the Christian right begin to align themselves with him. You know, a person that in any other context, um, well, one out of the political context, I don't think you'd ever hear Christians saying like, you know, I'm I'm with Donald Trump on this. Um, or two, if he wasn't winning right now, I don't think you'd see them aligning with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so, and so he is, he is an interesting bedfellow that you see kind of the, what, what they're calling now the moral minority is, is attaching themselves to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never in a million years would I have imagined that he would. I, mean, I think most, of, uh, most people who talked when he was entering the race talked about him, assumed that he wasn't going to make it this far. And he's a front runner now. I mean, I remember when they said that North Carolinians considered him kind of the head of the Republican ticket. And I thought, gosh, that I, it just surprised me. Yeah. And I think it surprised a lot of people, but he's really seized on that and said, you know, you keep you keep doubting me, you losers. But and I'm coming after you. No, but you look at him, I mean, because he's he's what, he's divorced. And, or multiple times divorced. I don't even know. Yeah. Uh I I know he likes to keep talking about how much he loves the Bible, but you know, when you begin to look at his, his his faith past, I would say it's checkered at best. Yeah. What's your favorite verse? Oh, I like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> the but, one the one about Jesus. No, but the thing that I loved, and, and I pointed out here, like, in, in this article here they had in uh, the New York Times is, you know, they begin to talk about this other guy that happened to be uh, divorced uh, of uncertain faith that the evangelicals love, and his name was Ronald Reagan. Mm, that's a good, yeah. 
Yeah, and I hadn't like it was it was it was interesting correlation because I hadn't actually thought of it before to where seriously like look at Facebook. I mean, or actually any kind of Republican primary. I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but if you turned into like any time that someone mentioned Reagan into a drinking game, people would be going to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean seriously, but it is like that. He is the poster child for whatever the nostalgia Republican vote is ending up being anymore. I mean, you just throw out Reagan and people are like, oh yeah. Oh, keep stroking that one. Yes. Those, those were the good days. Oh, it, well, absolutely. And, you know, what, but what that begins to do is just is, is frustrate when we, when we see that. Like I mentioned earlier, like that was, I remember like just the last election cycle with Romney and, you know, growing up in and around churches, like especially conservative churches growing up around them, you know, we were always told how much that, you know, Mormons are a cult. Mormons are mm-hmm. a cult over and over and over again. But when he's your front-running candidate that is going to carry hopefully what you want forward, oh, you know, he's 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 a, he's he's a Christian. Yeah, yeah, he's a Christian. He basically believes what we believe. No, but it's so interesting to, to see that people that would, that would stand so hard and dig their feet, their heels in, so much about their faith and their values and wanting to recapture America for all of this. And they're wanting to do all of this through somebody that would not really, you know, represent their faith and their values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can remember growing up and hearing how, you know, hearing good things about um, the first Bush and um, about Ronald Reagan and then hearing such terrible things about Bill Clinton and it's been interesting to hear other perspectives of people who just despised Ronald Reagan. Um, and, and at first, uh, you know, you're taught, I guess, in, in certain circle, in a lot of circles, that, you know, if, if they're a Democrat, they're inherently bad. I mean, you're always going to be against the Democrats. But to, to grow up and hear, um, you know, why, like, why didn't you like Ronald Reagan? And to hear people's perspectives on that. And then to actually hear Democrats who didn't like Bill Clinton which I think was interesting. And to hear Republicans who didn't like, you know, Bush and didn't like um, Ronald Reagan. So there are all kinds of perspectives if you're willing to listen. That's true. But yeah, things do get kind of blown out of proportion, especially when, when it's, like you said, nostalgia. Because nostalgia, I think, is it's not only a kind of a fixation on the past, but it's really ignoring the present. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a good place to hide from, from the present, especially when... And so many, I think a lot of people do look at the present and they're worried and there's not a whole lot to look forward to. Um, so, yeah, people kind of jump into that nostalgia and say, well, Donald Trump, I guess, is pretty close to that. So, Well, but I think what he's doing, too, he, he's hopping onto a pulse because, you know, what we, we've had two terms of Obama who is, you know, as everybody knows, is the Antichrist, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's obvious. Sarcasm. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, and you begin to hear like this, this conservative, this, this Christian kind of rumbling that we, we're destined to be some sort of a, we need to get back to our moral roots, our religious roots. We need to get back to these places. And, and then you hear Don coming up saying, you know, what is it he's saying? He wants to make America great again. Yeah. You know, you know who else made a statement like that? No, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) <laughs> go for it. <laughs> you know you know where I'm going with that. No, no, actually. What's that? There's some sort of law that, uh, like a, not a, a political law, but a, 
like a law of nature that all you're talking about Sharia law, which is what, what <laughs> not, the de- not that one. It's what the Democrats want. <laughs> no, it's um, oh sorry. It's it's some sort of principle that if you're on a discussion online, any discussion goes to Nazis if you um yeah stay yeah. for long enough. No, I mean really though, honestly, if you look back in history, that was kind of the the Nazi party line was Germany is in a slump right now in a Donald slump, <laughs> and they, and we need to you know get someone in there who will bring us back to our former glory. Well, it's interesting that when you begin to hear people say that, that like we need to return to our former greatness, right? That it is a wonderful, absolutely vague statement. Yeah, that's true. You know, like it, it, what former greatness? Yeah, or, or what part of greatness? Like when you, when you say things like that, it's so vague that anybody can attach themselves to it. Yeah, but to be fair, I guess to qualify my statement, it, it wasn't just Hitler. I mean, there, there are probably lots of people who have taken that kind of... I mean, because the principles of traditionalism and... Of oh, cons- I mean, Hitler, Jerry Faldwell. I mean, you know, those guys. <laughs> but it, the, the principle, kind of what's at the heart of a traditional or a conservative worldview is that there was a time where things were better and we need to hold on to those kind of like kernels of that time and, mm-hmm. they, and try to get back there if we can. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the opposite of that is there are better things ahead of us if we're open to new ideas and we need to continue changing. And really it's interesting because both are kind of rooted in a similar, um, they're rooted in similar assumptions. They come from similar places, but they just take like different sides of the same coin, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they're both calling for change. Yeah. I mean, one of them is just saying change and continue to move forward. And one is saying that we want to go back to a time period that we're idealizing and probably don't remember correctly. Yeah. And I mean, but no, but when we do that, I mean, and again, what begins to hit this, because I feel like what we have here is we have kind of this perfect storm happening. You know, you have all of these these sweeping changes that have happened in the past few years, like with uh, the Supreme Court um, legalizing gay marriage and, th- and things of that nature to where the really the Christian right is feeling like the tide has gone out on their power. Mm-hmm. You know, that they have lost something. And then you begin really to look to see that American Christianity is shrinking. Um, there's been, you know, heavy losses in the churches, losses meaning people not going to church anymore. And, you know, again, we hearken back to, but back when everybody went to church, but back when there wasn't any sin, because that was the 50s, yeah. right? There was yeah, a, nobody did anything. Yeah, it was, 50s. I, think, I think the 60s ushered in the time when people actually sinned, because Adam, <laughs> Adam and Eve were in the 50s, so... Um, <laughs> Well, the I mean, Garden of Eden in the fifties. Completely, it was it was completely there. Um, no, but when we, but when we see that, I mean, the the Garden of Eden was for white people only. <laughs> Apparently, if it was in the nineteen fifties, <laughs> sarcasm. Make sure to hit. Oh, that there's so much thick with that. Yes. Um, no, but th- th- this is this is what I found that was interesting too in this article. So they they're they're quoting Russell Moore, who's the president of Ethics. And religious, uh, this is a long title. Would you, you, I would love to have this on my like on my business card. <laughs> Russell Moore, the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, the ERLCSBC. Yes, um, you know he says that we don't see ourselves as a cultural majority, and that that change doesn't come from a position of power, but a position of witness. And so many of those that are in that place, that are in that station, are beginning to realize, yes, we are not in a position of power anymore. And really what I feel like that statement's doing is we're just trying to, like, uh, we're trying to take 
instead of saying we're not winning right now, we're just trying to mean that, hey, like, we're like, we're second place, right? Right? You know, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of taking it and we're spinning it into something else. Um, mm-hmm. Because, because you're right. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of this group is spinning in their wheels right now saying, how do we get back to this? Or, well, it's hard. Like, th- I think the, the question of how do we get back to this, you have to balance that out with also saying is we're all going to hell. Yeah. I mean, so there, you, know, you have to take time to do both of these. One, you, mean, you can't pick it all the time and strategize all the time. You've got to, like, figure, figure this out. <laughs> no, but, I mean, but, but going back to this, like, with we've got more talking here in, in, in this article saying like, the end goal is, and I, which is interesting. Like, parts of this I will say I agree with, even though I do feel like this is a contextualized spin mode. But he says uh, the end goal is not a Christian America, um, either of either of the made-up past or the hope for future, which I'd be, hey, dude, I'm tracking with you. The end goal is the kingdom of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, where I would kind of push back, because he, he very is... very vague. Well, one, it's what very... It, it's, it's very vague, and he's using words like countercultural, which I believe he's stealing from the show. We talk about things like that. Yeah, but, he listens. And oh, absolutely. I mean, it was him, the Biting Pope, our material. It is, yeah, yeah. That's what we were worried about talking about Trump at the top of the, the, top of the show, is because we're afraid he's going to... He's going to put us on our bad list. Like he's going to publish our cell phones because he has our personal cell phones, right? <laughs> he's he's going to put all this out there and really just try to call us losers. Um, yeah, take a bite out of our Donald. Yeah, Trump. you guys could have been huge. Uh, but could have been anymore. a contender. Yeah, but um, no, no. But looking at this, you know, when we begin to hear this, like, oh, all of this isn't our goals. You know, it's really just about the kingdom of of, of Christ or the kingdom of God, depending on how you're saying it. And while I would say is that, yes, like if you begin to look at Jesus, his goal is saying, yes, we're here to begin to usher into this kingdom of God, what this looks like where the poor are helped out, where, where those that are in pain are, are healed. And, and, and it's the whole kingdom of God is this different posture. But when I'm hearing him say that, it really just sounds like, like an attempt to lick their wounds Mm-hmm. you know, where, where they've lost this position of power. And I don't think, which is sad because in the past we have not heard, yes, we are all about the kingdom of God. So why are we here at this political rally talking about this? You know, that's really funny. Let's just leave now and go be about the kingdom of God, which is just going out to help the poor, help the widows, help the orphans, help all these people that will not bring us any power at all or any position at all or any, anything political <laughs> at all. Yeah, I mean, why do you have to say something about that? I, th- I think the the interesting thing is that you have to point out that we don't care about power. Like, I don't, we don't, Christians don't need political power. You know, you get up on a platform and say something like that. Um, just do it. And I think one of the, and we're going to talk about this a little bit in another episode, but just to point out, there's um, an interesting book on anarchy and Christianity. And one of the points, it's by a man named Jacques Ellul, and one of the points he makes is that Jesus doesn't even recognize authority. Um, I guess, as Jay-Z would put it, game don't recognize game. Um, you know, Jesus is like... That'll preach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's talking with Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate asks him a question, and he doesn't even, you know, acknowledge the question. It's a question about power. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who has the, the power in this situation? And he ignores it. And to me, that says something about... When when you truly when you're truly um, you don't care like what um, were we talking about David Platt and, yeah. and some of these guys and Russell Moore if you really don't care about power 
then don't acknowledge it. Don't even, I mean, uh, don't get up in a platform and explain to people why you don't care about it anymore. Yo, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is. It, it found, it's, it's like the guy, like, when you're playing a game and, yeah, you, and you're... Taking w- my ball and going home. No, not even that, but it's, it's the, you know, the guy that you're playing and that you're beating really... I mean, you're, you're, just, you're just owning them. And he's like, well, I really don't care about winning. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't care anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I just enjoy, I just enjoy playing the game. Even, even though I walked all the way out here to play your stupid little game with you. I don't yeah, e- even though someone had the game on face for the longest time, like they wanted <laughs> to kill you, but then they realized they weren't going to win. They're like, yeah, I'm just, I just, I just love the game. Are you calling me out for uh, failing at fantasy football uh, right now? Perhaps the the Owen, the only Owen six person in our fantasy football league. And I've, I've basically given up. So I guess I'm that person, too. No, and I give this to you because, I mean, it, 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 okay, it is sad. <laughs> it um, is sad. Um, but I do have much love. I mean, but it's sad when one of the guys in our league... <laughs> when one of the guys in our league couldn't actually just figure out how to do it well on his phone and just gave up. And so he hasn't made any substitutions since, like, week one. I think he has an open slot. And... He beat you, Ben. Yes, he did. He beat me with one person missing from his team. I know. That would be like if an actual like football team went out with 10 people and beat a team a team with 11 people. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Or if we, you decided to run a race and shot someone in the foot before you started, <laughs> and you're like, dang, they just beat me. Which is pretty much me. I'm running a race with one foot right now. No, no. That's you, how bad I am. No, you were the guy, no, you were ra- racing the guy that got shot in the foot. But you know what, Stuart? I don't what? care. I don't care about it. I don't need. I don't need to win fantasy football. Because you're all about good. you're all about the kingdom of God. That's right. I don't need to. Yeah, I'm. I'm about the kingdom. <laughs> of, God's where my value lies. So I don't need to win fantasy football. I'm. So, we were like. I, I feel like we were off there for a while. And we have like a lot of pent up snarkiness, and it's just all coming <laughs> out. And we were just being. Uh, yeah. I mean, the sarcasm button is worn out. At it this is. Point. It's yeah. Uh, no, but but when you look at it, like I mean, you're talking about Platt, Platt, who is in charge of the like uh, what is it, Southern Baptist International Mission Board, and he's an author. He's a pastor of a mega church, and you know he begins to say stuff like you're like, hey, I'm with it. Like he rejects, you know, evangelicals should re- reject Christian nationalism, right? Mm-hmm. Which I don't really know how that preaches well within the Republican right. Yeah. Um, which is, that's pretty much anti-everything there, you know, that people aren't supposed to be living out their materialistic lifestyles and give more to charity. Like, hey, the, those are good things. Like, I, you know, those those are kind of hard um, to argue with. But but yeah. again, it, it feels like, you know, these are people that I, I, I feel that, that would be singing a different tune if they were the winning team. Yeah, that's true. And, and uh, one question I would ask is, it, the people who are saying things about not needing money and living a radical lifestyle and, and that sort. Who are already, who, they, who are already wealthy. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, do they have money? Are they selling tons of books? And what platforms? Wait, what, check, what? check on that list with Platt. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah, exa- I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know. I have, I actually have heard him speak at mm-hmm. a conference before. So I know, I know of him, mm-hmm. but this was like right at the beginning of when he was doing, I, I think kind of marketing, um, marketing. He probably wouldn't want to call it that. Witnessing to uh, <laughs> Radical, his book Radical. Yeah. And, and Gabe Lyons as well. And I actually found Gabe Lyons pretty interesting. Um, he had done some research, and we're going to move on to that. But Yeah. Uh, but David Platt, you know, he, he was saying stuff that I had heard in other venues from probably lesser-known people. And 
I mean, th- these people are probably still somewhat, you know, w- well known, but it's not really that radical of a message. Mm-hmm. It's something that actually Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, wrote, what, like 50 or 60 years ago? Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, Bonhoeffer is a pretty well known theologian. So it's interesting. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty bold to come out and say that this is like, you know, kind of a new idea or it's this is being countercultural. I mean, there are people doing this kind of stuff. Do you really need to write another book about it? Well, and I hate like, okay, I have a, I have a deep love for Dietrich, especially when Dietrich. Uh, when I when I had a class that we had to re- I, we had to read the majority of his works and th- th- that's a lot of heavy stuff to run through. And and again, I do have a heavy love for him, but what also begins to make me mad is that I feel like that his message and who he is has kind of gotten taken and run with, because mm-hmm. um, they're going to get into that. They, they they hit that a little bit in the article with what's his name. Um, it's uh, uh, was it Metaxas? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's Metaxas. No, but uh, <laughs> no, but Metaxas. Like that whole book is a political piece, and I feel like it's a political political hack using Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, in in, in the midst of it, like to, again to kind of to throw shade on. Things like you know somehow that we're we're living in a time that was much like Dietrich's, mm-hmm. and you Nazi know Germany, we're our way. we're our right again because we circle back to that. But you know yeah. our rights are being taken away from us just like him. Yeah, and 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 I really like I always pause at stuff like that. I'm like, wait, really? Like, no, like in no way are we living in a time period that is anything that was like Dietrich Bonhoeffer's. Not quite. People. No, not not. I mean, not in America. Yeah, as far not as here. I mean, yeah, I mean, there might be other countries. Oh, sure. Oh, oh, that sort of thing. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No, not but here. I, yeah, no, no, no. But throwing shade onto that, and so you begin to. And I just hate it when you begin to take radical folks like him and begin to use him for an agenda or or re like mm-hmm. re uh, throw shade on his story in a different way that begins to tell it in a slightly skewed manner. Yeah. Um. And it is interesting, the article mentions that Bonhoeffer is one of the, I guess, the figureheads that people are okay with. You know, C.S. Lewis, I think, is another one in, mm-hmm. in, in kind of intellectual circles. That It's funny, like, the evangelicals are okay with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Karl Barth, to some extent, I think, if you're willing to... I mean, that's pretty complicated stuff, but... Yeah, no, you know, uh, well, conservatives aren't... aren't they're not going to go hugging Barth. Maybe not, but yeah. I mean that's the that that's sort of the circle. I kn- I know that people are comfortable with reading, yeah. But they will they just will not touch you know some other stuff and and like to I'm going to use your phrase throw shade mm-hmm. at uh, some of this other stuff. Um, but it's interesting because when you really read Bonhoeffer, um, there's a lot there, and and they do kind of fixate on that that part of Bonhoeffer of um, they fixate on Hitler. Yeah, more than actually what he's saying. I, I think that's the problem with it. I mean that that is part yeah part of it, and just this idea that you know we need to be living far beyond like what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean there is there's a there's a side of Bonhoeffer too that it's a it's a lot about humility and not focusing on yourself. And um, he he writes about like friendship, Christian friendship, and being and community. And, yeah, and community yeah. life together and things like that that I feel like does get kind of left out or it gets so, um, it, it gets reinterpreted in a way that's very friendly to like a Baptist church, for example, mm-hmm. that you're, I mean, you really have to, if you, if you're really interested in Bonhoeffer, read Bonhoeffer yeah, and read him for like 10 years 
and then you'll start getting into kind of what's there. Um, you know, if you just want to pick up, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make a, it can sound kind of elitist to say that Christians need to read theologians that, you know, are doing difficult stuff. I mean, Bonhoeffer is not that tough. Um, and I would really, I mean, I would encourage people if they're interested in these ideas, read the, the people who actually wrote them because, I mean, Bonhoeffer did live in, in um, Nazi Germany and was killed for what he was writing about. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of to a different level than someone who can tour, you know, a country and, and sell their books and things like that. And there, I, I will say there are people, and not anyone that's been mentioned so far, I think that do kind of, you know, they'll sell books or go on speaking tours, but have also like lived in China for five years in the underground church mm. and really made an effort to actually live what they write about. Yeah. Um, to, to me, that's kind of a different ball game and maybe just kind of striking a chord at what we're talking about right now. Well, I mean, even this, and, and here's what I'm going to say, like, and because when you begin to like talk about, because I'll talk about like someone like a Shane Claiborne, that, that you know that he's lived out the radicalness of what he talks about. Because mm-hmm. um, I I was uh, I was at a conference that he was speaking at and was talking to some of the people that were actually running the conference and he has an he has a long list of things that the conference must do if he's going to come now this is not like I need like green M and M's in my in my <laughs> green room you know no no but this is kind of stuff to where like it needs to be paperless because he wants his mm. carbon footprint to be smaller for everybody that's going to be there. You know, and, and it, again, it wasn't, he doesn't charge much money to speak, by the way, too, if anyone ever actually wants to have him come out. Um, but it was, it was all based upon sustainability and different issues that, like, that were going on at the conference. And it was stuff that really were part of his faith if he wanted to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and when I begin to hear stuff like this, and, and again, I'm not, I'm, this, the whole point of this isn't me tearing people down, even though I guess I'm in that kind of mood today. Um, this is snarky faith. It is snarky faith. But, you know, like when you're beginning to have someone like Blatt talk about that we need to, well, his word of saying is that we need to cap our materialistic lifestyles. And, and so when I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Buy my book. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> but even telling people, like, we need to just, you need to have a limit on your materialistic lifestyles. You know, as opposed to saying is, no, honestly, like this capitalistic, materialistic lifestyles that we have are actually anti-Jesus. Um, if, if we're talking about the supply chain that, that goes into all the things that we're buying, those are all anti-Jesus. You know, the fact that we are willing to put money in ourselves and over other people, that's anti-Jesus. You know, the fact that we don't care, you know, on whose backs are broken in order for us to get this stuff, that's anti-Jesus. So, so the idea of kind of like, yeah, like as long as you're like, I don't know, like what, like uh, 75% capitalist, you know, 75% materialist, you know, that's okay. God's fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying he preaches that. I have even no idea if that's what his voice sounds like. But <laughs> no, but when we hear that, I'm kind of like, oh, like you need to kind of cap off your materialistic lifestyle. Like, mm, like what, what about like, you know, giving your coat to your brother? What about like, you know, the early church where everybody shared amongst one another so everybody was able to eat and had clothes and, and was warm at night and all these other kind of things here. None of that sounds like a capped off materialistic lifestyle. And, and I'm not, um, but in saying this disclaimer, I'm not saying don't give to charity, but oh, absolutely. Be, be aware that when you give to charity, you're feeding into a consumerist lifestyle. I mean, that's the whole point. You're giving abstracted money that, you know, to a company basically um, and some some things call themselves nonprofits, but they profit a lot off of them. Yeah. So just giving to charity, 
to me is it's not really breaking out of that cycle. I mean, you really need to research, figure out what you're doing, and it probably would be better to actually, you know, invest your money in your own labor for helping people around you. In your own communities. Yeah. Uh, and again, not saying that the aid, because yeah, but I remember one thing. I, I have a I have a wife who has an accounting background, and and one of the big things that she always looks at if we were ever even considered giving to somebody is um, is the administration costs on on the organization because organizations, if you're going to give to them, should be able to present to you if they don't already on their website, they should be able to present to you their financials. Mm-hmm. And when you begin to look at it, as you see how what is their administration like, what are their just the costs that it takes for the president to, for the vice president, you know, all those other kind of people, all of that, you know, the, their costs should be, um, I believe like she likes 5%. You know, I've heard some people mm-hmm. say like, like 7% or 10%, but everything lower than that, it needs to be less than that because you want to see that the majority of what you're giving is actually going directly to the source that you're giving to. Right. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, because that's, I mean, it's not bad that people are living, but People are making six figures and more and bonuses and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Franklin Graham, what? Keep going. Yeah, really. I mean, we've um, had an episode. We've had episodes I know, I know. plural on that, but yeah, just to just to point out that it's to just give to charity. Realize that even in that notion in our in our society, that the structures are you're still feeding into that system. And if you really want to be revolutionary, you want to be radical try to figure out a way to think outside of that system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm with it. No, but I mean, but really, the, when you begin to look at it in that way, and that's just a funny thing, too. To, we're talking about being radical and, and working for a megachurch, Mr. Blatt. Right. And talk about not having materialistic tendencies. Just things to think about. And that, so... There you go, buddy. But no, no, but 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 you know, I think as as we're kind of rushing through like this article too, like they were again, like they uh, what is it? Uh, Metaxas is Metax ass. I don't know how, how you pronounce his name. I am butchering it. But you know, they they were he was the guy that wrote about Bonhoeffer, kind of throwing shade on this whole thing that the, we're living in a time kind of like Nazi Germany. But he was hopeful in this in this article saying, but the window, but we have to realize the window is closing right now. We have a tremendous freedoms. We need to use them to be loud, humble, bold, gracious, and winsome. Winsome. Uh, because the door's closing. Because it, again, because that's one of those tactics that that I, I know that we're that, that what we're seeing here with this with this religious minority. They're reframing their conversation to make it seem more palatable. But again, they they cannot get away from this idea of fear ta- fear tactics. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not moving in a place towards hope because, again, they said, oh, we're really about the kingdom of God here. Well, if you're about the kingdom of God, wh- what are the fear tactics that we're using here to say, like, oh, gosh, we're, we're, we're you know, the days are drawing near. Where are we headed? The end times. <laughs> 44 days from now. How many, I mean, because, again, oh, my gosh, how many people have I heard, you know. I know. Oh, Jesus, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. Yeah, it's gonna be riding on a cloud. I don't know. No, but <laughs> that's sorry, sorry. Going into an interesting area. It. it <laughs> what I think direction I, are we going? We've right just now? kind of been like ping ponging around <laughs> this whole time. I, I think some of it's like we're just kind of sh- shaking out the rust on this episode. I've never heard that voice before. <laughs> is what I was interested on. The Jesus on a cloud. <laughs> I'm sure he's gonna be riding a white horse coming down for me. At some point, there was probably a televangelist that sounded like that. I hope not. <laughs> Whispering into the mic. 
Here comes Jesus. He's on his white horse. Okay. I can see him. I'm getting so excited. We're not being very winsome. I'm so excited. My hands just went under the tables. Hello. No, um, <laughs> but it is. Like, I hear people saying that, and I feel like they're somehow, like, spiritually getting off on that idea. You know, that the, the, the door is closing, that the end is near, and God's cup of wrath will finally spill because he's apparently not very good at pouring. Well, I, I, would, I would also say another kind of side of it would be what we've kind of been talking about with Platt, too, that it's this idea that we, we can, you know, in, in embracing Scripture and, and um, if you really read Scripture the way it's supposed to be read, that we can be subversive and countercultural and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. That to invoke something like Nazi Germany or, you know, something like that. Are those that, silly platitudes? Ooh, there that, you was, go. that was a good one. Okay. I was trying to stick with the Donald, uh, Trump, the, the Donald I, Trump, but yeah, that was good. I, like I, that. I had to trump you on that one. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You, com- you've Donald stumped me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but no, but no. Winner. Um, yeah. no, no, but when you begin to look at this, like I, I just think it's funny that we begin to see this softening tone with a lot of this, this religious right talk. But then at the same time, we started talking about their new man, their new man crush, you know, Trump here, where he calls like, you know, illegal immigrants like rapists. Mm-hmm. And, and and things of that nature, where it's like, wait, 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 wait. Where is this softening? And how is he your new boyfriend? Like, either right. spiritually or political. He's my political boyfriend. Yeah, it's it is. It's interesting. not cheating if I'm voting for him. <laughs> it it is interesting that well, I mean we've covered kind of some different um, sides of the way that I think the Christian right is trying to struggle along, um, but in in politics. I think it's it's been it's very much been and I've said this a lot and we've talked about this on the show but really going out towards the extremes yeah, um, yeah. and I mean even even some politicians that would have been I think middle you know decades ago have would change their own um, tenor to match the the extremity in this you know in our political landscape now mm-hmm. and so. It, it, it's interesting to see how Christians have kind of done that too in mm-hmm. trying to, I mean, I don't think they're saying they're, they're positioning themselves in the Christian, right. You know, with things like radical and um, we talked about, do we talk a lot about gay blinds? Cause I mean, he's also trying to see the ways that the, the Christian right has actually not, kind of moved with culture and where are people actually at? I'm going to go and do yeah, some research. Yeah, li- yeah Lions is more research oriented and, and the whole Q conference that I know that's, it's kind of like, I, I would hate to call like, that the, like a Christian Ted talk type of a conference, but I mean, I think, I think it's pushing more of an intellectual approach to how we view faith and looking at it from, I would hope to say more sober eyes mm-hmm. um, instead of saying kind of inflammatory, how it's kind of gone in the past. Um, yeah, and and he's so he's he's like gathering data on trends in Christianity, which I think I, I did find him pretty interesting. And at the, at the very least, he's trying to base what he's doing in fact. But I think yeah. one of the criticisms in this article is that it still is kind of crafting Christianity like marketing towards uh, people in the evangelical right 
that, you know, they look around in the world and say, well, we do want to help people like younger people in, in the millennial generation. You know, we do want to help people. We see that there are problems in the world. Um, so it's kind of like marketing the right, uh, the Christian right to that audience, which is a really interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it's, I mean, this article is a little scattershot, to, especially to who they're, they're picking, like who they chose to talk to through this. Because I, I would think in many ways that, um, at least when I've heard, like, because Gabe Lyons has been to a bunch of, like, Catalyst conferences. I've, I've heard him speak an, a number of times. And I, I don't know that he would he would say that he, the way they're kind of, fra- you know, framing him here a little bit, that he's not trying to remarket the religious right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's trying to take a faith and say, what does it look like with sober eyes in the world that we live in today? Right. You know what I mean? Not, not. I don't think from a political approach at all. Yeah. Um. In that, because he's definitely. I mean, he said things like the. I mean, here is how um, Christians have treated, um, you know, the gay community mm-hmm. in the past, yeah. like yeah. fifteen or twenty, or you know, this is what the the gay community thinks about Christians. Um, you know, this is what um, certain communities with like diseases think about, or you know, the disa- like disabled communities think about um, Christians. And it's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty terrifying, mm-hmm. um, especially when you consider, you know, what G- Jesus's ministry and and who he was kind of aimed at being with, and you know, he would go and like party with people, um, and and really be accepted into these communities. And we are, you know, Christians, um, especially the Christian right, like or evangelical Christianity, are not at all on. They're not on speaking terms <laughs> with with a lot of communities. What with right partying, now. or with partying? No, but I mean, I mean, actually, they do that, but then on Sunday mornings they go back in and, and confess to partying. Yes, like, or, I'm or sorry, or, I partied. Or don't say it and then shame people that did. Yeah, that's true. Shame um, on you. No, but but I, th- I put my. I don't. I don't know. But I, I. I think like looking back and circling to the whole thing that we were seeing from uh, Russell Moore. The what did you say? He was the P O E or whatever. Um, I'm not E-R-L-S-B-C-C. S-B-C. Yeah. Uh, no, but how he was looking at it, saying that oh, but we're really just about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Why is that now we're about the kingdom of God? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Where did like, that come from? like now that we've lost, like, or not we, now that they have like lost some sort of uh, political clout and power and a lot of certain decisions that have you know gone through in culture that they're not happy with now. You know, how is it now that you're like, well, I'm taking my ball and going home because we're we've we've always been about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And shouldn't you? I mean, that, that, see that again. I I can we can probably have a whole nother. We've done other shows on this. You know. The one thing is for me, I to completely marry faith within a political system is mm-hmm. is, is a dangerous thing mm-hmm. because it I I don't think it does justice to either side of it. Yeah, and and another point I, I had someone point this out to me that it's really surrendering a lot to say that Christians are so in in saying you know we're about the kingdom of God, it's kind of like. We we have no input into what's going on in the country because they're not listening to us anyway. So we're mm-hmm. gonna do what we're gonna do over here. And honestly, that happened in the early 20th century. And I know I've talked talked about this um, before, but the fundamentalist Christianity was not viewed in the way that it is right now. Um, back you know around the turn of the probably uh, 20th century around mm-hmm. then. 
um, maybe the end of the 19th century with the Scopes trial and this kind of idea of evolution being taught in schools and fundamentalists were basically embarrassed uh, publicly and, you know, kind of turned into themselves and uh, they turned in on themselves, you know, created their own schools, their own radio stations. Um, if you've ever been out west in, in North Carolina to the mountains, you probably know about Black Mountain Radio, um, which is uh, kind of a evangelical uh, Christian radio station. And, you know, it, with this kind of, you know, well, they don't want us praying in schools and they don't want us doing this and that. Well, we're just going to, you know, like you said, take our ball and go home. I mean, it's kind of making the same move. Um, but what, what happens is when you surrender that voice in the community, then you're, you're basically like giving in to the, to the fact that Christians can't actually call out the, the bad things that are happening in the world. Um, which has really been a staple, I think, of God and his people, you know, throughout, Mm. um, you know, going all the way back into Jewish history to, you know, there were were always people who were not afraid to really call out and say, this is wrong, what's going on right here? Um, And so to kind of turn in on yourselves and say, well, we're just about the kingdom of God now. Um, and, And again, I think maybe the point you were making is the kingdom of God doesn't actually look like the kingdom of God. What, like what, what, um, how they're framing it. Yeah. What Russell Moore, how Russell Moore puts it. I don't think that's actually the kingdom of God anyway, but all that to say, you know, Christians do have a voice on, of, of what's going on in the world and, you know, pointing out and saying, I mean, the way that immigrants are treated is wrong. And if you read through scripture, it's it's all over scripture yeah. that immigrants shouldn't be treated in that way. But to just say, well, the world's not listening to us anyway, so we're going to be about the kingdom of God and we're going to pray. You know, we're going to go and pray. And yeah, but but what, how you're framing this, which I think is absolutely correct, is how it's 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 like the bratty child kind of syndrome, too, with that to where these are the things that I think should be done. And I will somehow loosely base them on my faith. And if they're not getting accomplished, if you're not listening to me about this, one, you're godless, and two, I'm going to go home. Because you're right. I mean, are there issues today that if, again, like Mr. Moore saying here, if we're really just about the kingdom of God, are there issues that when you look at your Bible, when you begin to look at what it means to be a people of God, are there those areas that we should be screaming about? Mm-hmm. Um, and like immigration is a huge one. It's huge. And when we, when we see that, and again, why is that? And, and I think the problem when you begin to marry politics and, and a faith together, what you end up getting is you end up getting a faith that is always about vocalizing things and not about walking it out. Yeah. I mean, because really that's, I mean, I think that's really what we get from most of our political system. It, it's, it's just, it's people shouting about stuff. It's people arguing about stuff and little getting done. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that when you begin to do that, you see the same thing happening in, in churches. You see the same thing happening with a lot of Christians in America today that we would rather, again, post stuff on Facebook. We would rather get into arguments about stuff. We'd rather talk about about other people. We do all those. Why? Because it's easier than going out and helping those in our community that honestly need help. Like, if we're really about saying, oh, we're really about the kingdom of God, then get off your ass and get out there and get your hands dirty and be about the kingdom of God and stop talking about it. I think that deserves a Donald fist pump. 
pump. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a sound effect for that. That was really bad. But yeah. Um, Does that deserve the? Okay. That's an. I was gonna do that one. Oh, that was for that. Yeah. I was trying to. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, but, but when you when you when you see that, and and I, and I think that like the, when we begin to read through this whole article, all I'm do all I'm hearing is people volleying things back and forth. We should be doing this. We should be doing this. And, and I'm gonna say this, even though that I know like the like what is this, the New York Times is is beginning to, um, is beginning to dub it like that that they're the the religious minority now in America. Now, what I would say mm-hmm. is most of these at the beginning of this article have softened their approach, you know, realizing that, that being hate- right. hateful and judgmental and nasty hasn't gotten them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Say what? You know, how is that? Yeah. Not? No. Um, yeah. It hasn't, I've not, I haven't gotten a date out of any of this. It's worked for Donald Trump, though. It has. <laughs> uh, but I think but he has a lot of money. Yeah, that, that kind of helps, too. Yeah. Uh, people will put up with you if you're worth a lot of money. What, what you were saying before about you know shouting and, and kind of being the loudest voice um, and not doing anything about it reminds me of the story that Jesus tells about the two sons that are supposed to go work in the field. And, you know, the, the father says, I, I want you to go work today. And one of them says yes and doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then the other one says no, but actually goes and, and does it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's pretty clear that Jesus is pointing out, I mean, the, the favor goes to the one that, you know, said he wouldn't do it, but actually goes and does it. Um, so there's something there about, you know, getting out and doing the things that you're, you know, so passionately screaming about. And even in this article, it's like you're saying, there's so much work being done to convince people that that some of these things are important. Why are you doing them? Yeah. Like, go out and do it. Yeah, just well, stop. Yeah, stop. Don't, don't, like, spend half your life writing a book and, and marketing it to people. Like, go and do it and bring some other people along with you to do it. Stop being interviewed by the New York Times. Get off your ass and go serve some people. <laughs> No, no, but but the funny thing is, again, like I was saying, like it sounds like things are softening, you know, like people's voices are softening a little bit. But then they end this article, and this is and this is funny. Like this is by what is this? Um, Jeremiah Johnson. He's a minister in in Florida. I think just to remind us that um, by and large, a lot of the radical uh, right Christians don't worry; they're still going to be asses. You know, I, I think we need to be reminded of that too. So, so you know, for all of you that like to to get angry at those kind of people, don't worry, they'll still be there. Yeah. Um, you know, but he's talking about Trump here. You know, beginning like to see Trump as a prophet, um, and he and he he goes on to say this. Uh, this is Jeremiah Johnson, minister in Florida, uh, and as he wrote like an article for a Christian magazine um, called you know called Charisma, he goes on to say the silent majority is back, and we're going to take our country back. Which that's that's always a good start there. You know, Trump Yikes. Trump shall become the trumpet <laughs> uh, to the American people. It's a sign. <laughs> I know. Because Trump uh, does not fear man, nor will he allow deception and lies to go unnoticed. <laughs> and, Maybe his uh, wig will become a relic. Like it, once his wig is passed on, if you touch it, it'll heal you. Oh that <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's someone will see like uh, the Virgin Mary in his wig. <laughs> uh, somehow, I don't know. But, oh my! No, but you begin to hear stuff like that, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. And all this softening, all this changing of your tune. Yeah, no. Like I mean, a lot of this isn't changing. I don't think any of this is going away. I mean, I think anybody that's going to start declaring 
the Don as the new Republican Messiah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's it's you're gonna you're gonna get what you're what you're getting in bed with, you know, for this whole process. So there it was. Those were my predictions many moons ago. But thanks for hanging out with us for this hour. If you want more information, you can go to www.snarkyfaith.com. If you want past episodes, look up Snarky Faith anywhere you listen to podcasts. I send you off today with the holiest amount of grace and snark and peace. I will catch you guys again next week. I'm out of here. Peace. Peace.